Hey everyone, welcome back to One of Us. I'm Issa. I'm Abby. Quick question for you, Issa. Go. <laughs> How do fish get high? How? You're not I, even going to guess? Oh, no. At the... Um, I'm like cracking myself up already. I know, you're laughing really hard. Hold Seaweed. on. Seaweed. Oh. <laughs> <I> la- <laughs> That's the first time she's said that to me ever. And I was like, what? Oh I just God. love a dad joke. That's really cute. So back to the topic at hand. That in is the, the topic at hand. You're right. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> in this episode, we're talking to who we refer to as the cannabis connoisseur, Steve Davis. He's an artist first and foremost. You can check the link in our bio for his site. He's incredibly talented, but he also has an encyclopedic knowledge of cannabis, pioneering part of the medical marijuana movement in San Francisco, where he now works at one of the city's most upscale dispensaries. Quick backstory. I met Steve while doing a little shopping in SF and we started talking. He was my like salesperson and I almost didn't leave the store. Like I could have <laughs> stood there all day and talked to him. I knew I had to have him on the podcast um, to sort of just share his story and his education. He's so smart. It blows my mind. He's joined us today to help clear up some misnomers like what the fuck is CBD for one and yeah. educate us all on our weed needs. So without further ado, Steve Davis. Enjoy. Enjoy. Wanna Vibe is a podcast and resource speaking simply about all things wellness. We want to break down each topic and start from the beginning, avoiding the assumption that everyone knows the building blocks to a particular subject. The way we see it, wellness is all-encompassing of each aspect that affects our everyday lives. In addition to our faves like fitness and nutrition, this could mean anything from relationships to careers, finances, spirituality, and so much more. We are Abby and Issa. Want a vibe? You know, like we don't want to... We don't want to act like this ain't us, you know? Yeah. So today, welcome back to Wanna Vibe. Yeah. I'm Abby. I'm Issa. And today we have Steve Davis. We're calling him the Cannabis Connoisseur. Oh, I'll take that. We've given you that title. (laughs) Um, Steve, you want to intro yourself? Sure. Um, Basically, you want me to sort of talk about how I got into the industry or just like from DNA up until this afternoon, like a condensed... Yeah, just give us a little synopsis of who you are and then let's talk about your story of how you got into the industry. Sure. Um, So like name, who you are, where you're from, all that stuff. I'm Steve. I live in San Francisco. (laughs) Um, I work in a cannabis dispensary now, but I also work as a designer. I do a lot of different types of design, industrial design, graphic design, I also do business development. So I'm, you know, professionally I'm spread across a pretty wide range. And then also I'm a fine artist. Uh, I went to art school because I thought I was a way to turn what I already did well into some sort of uh, work. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's sort of, you know, I'm a Bay Area kid. I was born in the Bay Area. Um, Other than basically the last year and a half, uh, I mainly was doing specifically only industrial design work. In other words, I was just working in design work. And after actually about two years ago, it was sort of a case of, well, let's look at, you know, what's nearby. And I was interested in, you know, cannabis for a long time for a number of reasons, obviously, which I'll talk about. Uh, it just sort of overlapped the two overlapped. In other words, here's a good job. It's local. Mm-hmm. I can walk to work. I'm oh, wow. It's nice. Yeah, it's it's a very convenient situation for me, and 
allows me to do both of those professional sort of pathways. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested in a lot of things in cannabis as they relate to medicine. And so there's, there's a lot of overlap in other words. So, um, so that's, that's my, my DNA is basically that I grew up in the ice storm seventies. In other words, you know, a lot of divorced families, a lot of broken families, a lot of people sort of dealing with the weird economic shift that was happening in the Bay Area at the end of the 70s with the real estate boom and Prop 13 and the rise of Silicon Valley. And Mm -hmm. so where I grew up was basically a farming community where a lot of people had big plots of land. So, right. And they weren't just growing almonds, let's put it that way. Um, So now... You know, you fast forward a couple of years, the essentially the Bay Area goes undergoes a sort of radical shift. A lot of money comes in, mm-hmm. the demographic shifts kind of overnight, and so I basically was a you know a, a being raised by a single mother in the seventies who had three kids, mm-hmm. and so you know there was a lot of uh, missteps in parenting, as I call them, uh, <laughs> but uh, it just ended up where. <laughs> At some point in growing up, I got exposed to people smoking cannabis. Mm-hmm. They called it weed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now we, it goes by a number of different names now. But uh, so it's sort of interesting that over basically my childhood, there were sort of these intervals where I was aware that people were using cannabis. In other words, I had an elderly neighbor who would literally sit on her porch and smoke joints for her her glaucoma. So this would have been like, probably like 80, you know? Wow. So people, I guess I didn't really think back about how long people have been using weed for purposes other than just like recreation. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, when, if you do enough historical research on, how cannabis was eventually outlawed and criminalized. If you go back to when some of the the main federal legislation, the federal legislation, in other words, uh, 1937, I think the Marijuana Tax Act mm-hmm. is what officially made it this controlled property. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, the AMA, the American Medical Association continue to fight to have cannabis listed as medicine in their directories because mm-hmm. just from anecdotal evidence, they saw gay people relief. They didn't have the science right. to explain that, but you know, we do, we have that now. Yeah. But so it's kind of interesting that we had this big gulf of periods where people either didn't have access, um, didn't know how to get it or what it was or how to like, what is Inica versus Sativa? Like, I just mm-hmm. got, I got this plan. I smoked it, you know, that right. was all bad. That's kind of like how so, you roll when you're like 15. Right. This one made me feel great. And then this one made me feel really yeah. weird. And so the, you know, my, my perception just as a, a little kid growing up was like, this stuff is around and it's helping these people. Like my mm. first experiences of cannabis were not people who were, yeah, it was a positive like, one. They weren't crim- they weren't quote what we would perceive right. as the, the a criminal or somebody yeah. who was a, you know uh, the popular perception of what we see in, in you know still Media in some ways. Stuff, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that immediately sort of stripped it of it being bad. It's like this person's eyes don't hurt. Yeah, right. You know, like yeah. I, I was a little kid, but I immediately got That's like powerful. He seems like she feels better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
that's, yeah. you know, and after that, it's like anything else is, is, you know, you can, you can tell everything that comes after that is usually a moral judgment, mm-hmm. yeah. not a, not a observation of the facts. Oh, I yeah. Love so, that. yeah. It's interesting. So for the people that are listening in for Isa, who knows a little bit, but um, Steve and I met at the dispensary that he works at, like probably two years ago was the first time yeah. we met. That sounds about right. Yeah. And we, I went in there. And so the way that the dispensaries in California are set up is like you go in, you check in Mm because they have to make sure that you're, you know, of legal age and all of that stuff. And then you wait and whoever is the first available, um, you know, person in to help you calls your name. Right. And I got lucky one day and I just started chatting to Steve because you're so personable and easy to talk to. But, um, I ended up hearing your story and just, I remember being blown away at that, but also at your depth of knowledge because one, the the dispensary that you specifically work for is known for having staff that is extremely knowledgeable. If you go to any other dispensary mm-hmm. in, I, I shouldn't generalize by saying, but the other dispensaries that I've been to, I don't prefer because the people that are working there are high. They're not really that informed. They just want you to buy some shit and then leave. Right. You know, they're like, this is the kind of shit that you, you know, wake and bake with. And then like, you know, just not yeah. descriptive. Um, but you know your shit. And you. that's why I remembered you. And so the, the next time I went in, I saw him and I was like, I said to Jesse, who was with me, I was like, I need to talk to this guy again. Yeah. Because you, I think, have the power, like literally single-handedly to change so many perceptions and misconceptions about mm-hmm. cannabis that are out there. So there's I wanted to preface this, but yeah, there's a ton <laughs> and we'll get into it. Um, but I wanted to, um, for you to share, you know, as much of your story as into how you got into this industry as you're comfortable with. Sure. Sure. Um, my, my individual story kind of has, you know, like I was mentioning this, this elderly neighbor when I was a child, that was when I was very young. And so my awareness of cannabis at that point was, it was like the thing that adults did. Like it wasn't something that I, uh, saw myself doing. And then as, we hit, you know, 81, 82, 83, the AIDS crisis really hit really hard in the Bay Area. And, but particularly in San Francisco, even though I grew up, you know, in an East Bay community, I wasn't living in San Francisco, you, you couldn't get away from it. Right. You know, right. it was sort of in all the newspapers, it was on television. And by, you know, 84, 85, when people like Rock Hudson started dying and people who, mm-hmm. were, who were mainstream celebrities, it became more national. Um, because of the medical cannabis that had already been evolving in place because of people like Dennis Perone, Brownie Mary. And I mean, there's, there's a, a, a large network that was already sort of here that were basically trying to get cannabis either legalized or trying to figure out a way to figure out a way to either decriminalize it or get it to people who could use it because of how, you know, a lot of the, the, uh, I mean, People who grew at that period, it was everybody. It was people from all different communities who sold to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the gay community, it was definitely a group of people who started realizing, like, these people are basically at the end of their life. We don't have any way to save them. We can't stop what's happening to them. Let's figure out a way to do pain management as best we can or mood management, however mm-hmm. you, know, you perceive it was helping them. Uh, and so they fought to basically 
change the laws, to, to, to take the legal risks, you know. Again, a broad range of people. It wasn't just Dennis Prone who, you know, there was a lot of people across a broad spectrum of communities that were participating in that process. But they finally got, you know, what was Prop 215, which was basically the first uh, way or, or the, the domino, if you will, of legalization happening in California. And that, even though the the trajectory of legalization in California itself took a lot longer, like yeah, in Colorado and other states went way before we did, mm-hmm. um, we're a larger economy, you know, we move slower. Yeah. But the the impact of that is that it did create this perception of, okay, these people are not just getting high. Right. And a lot of people are not looking to get high. Right. So there's yeah, also they that. feel better. They want relief. They, yeah. they want, they want, um, they, they're basically looking for what they would get from medicine and what they have not already found in medicines that are available or medicines that might be problematic for them to take. So Absolutely. cannabis occupies this very unique territory because it has a broad spectrum of applications. You know, HIV, I think, just gave us the most immediate need to do a large-scale dispersal into one area. So in other words, we saw it worked for pain relief, Mm -hmm. you know, almost universally. We now, because we've had 20-plus years of legalization and now recreational in California, we've been able to start doing some of the more complex research. We're able to look at individual cannabinoids and say, like, well, what I, why is it that an indica has more of a body high for most people? Like, why does that happen? And so we know that there's, there's a lot of chemical triggers. There's a lot of interactions with the body that the other chemicals have, and those all have these individual capabilities. So, you know, we, it's, I hate to say the thrust of, the net impact of a lot of people losing their lives during the AIDS crisis was kind of where we are now in some mm-hmm. ways. I mean, there's many other factors, but I think for the local, right. what happened here, that was yeah. definitely sort of the, the impetus that, that started the, the ball rolling. And, you know, in the, when people come into a dispensary now, instead of, you know, there's always going to be, I want to, I want to answer what you were saying, Abby, about the the types of different dispensaries is that there's, there's always going to be a corner grocer mm-hmm. and there's always going to be a supermarket mm-hmm. and there's always going to be a boutique mm-hmm. and how, how that is expressed across the spectrum of the, the storefronts and the type of um, experience that they're looking to provide, whether it's from a customer service standpoint or just a demographic that they're trying to reach, that's going to sort of color how that happens. Right. And I think for people like you were saying that come into our dispensary, we're trying to set the bar pretty high because a lot of what is keeping people from getting benefit from us or cannabis is that stigma. Mm-hmm. And they are either they're fearful for, you know, for good reason. Um, they've had bad experiences in the past. Mm-hmm. They've had uh, criminal interactions, which have been negatively impacted you know, their life, their ability to get hired, you know, people that have had possession crimes and things like that. So what I feel is like the best way forward now, even though it's imperfect and there's definitely a lot of work to do in in terms of, you know, making it more equitable for everybody 
is that we've at least got the ball moving forward. We can mm-hmm. at least start taking tax dollars in. We can figure out a way to fund things, mm-hmm. and whether that's more equity programs, at least in the state of California. I'm not actually that familiar with a lot of the other states in terms of their um, how the industry is structured, how their what their pricing fees are, and things like that. But I know that in um, in the neighborhood here, they are about to open another dispensary. Uh, that is an equity share program. In other words, the licensing is qualified from somebody who was in a, uh, in other words, in the pre-legalization days, they were legally impacted. So it was like giving them a leg up into the industry that they were, in other words, they were forced out of because of either, you know, uh, like race, racial bias and and in terms of the way that the laws are handled. So they're, they're trying, I I see like the, the roots of somehow a better industry happening, Mm -hmm. but I know it's fits and starts. We're also lurching forward very uncomfortably and, and not everybody's comfort level. And so I think as we get to a better point, you know, it may take a couple of years, but I think once we get the, the working growing pains out of the way, people will be able to say, Hey, this is really just medicine. Yeah. And it's also recreational. And there's a place there for me where I can get what I want in a more improved state. In other words, I can get off benzos, I can get off Mm -hmm. opiates, I can get off anti-inflammatory drugs or whatever it is that, you know, are rough on me. So I feel like that's where we need to sort of get people in. I think that's a really wide open door for a lot of people. And some of those dispensaries you talk about, they're very intimidating, I think that they're intimidating. I like, so I was in California and I was like, I'm not going to go in, like, don't worry about me. And I stayed outside and I'm like, I don't want to walk in and look like an idiot. You know, I didn't Mm -hmm. know that there was differences. I'm assuming what you're involved in is more boutique. I would, I would say we have, we have a, a, it's a high end dispensary, but in terms of where we would probably be placed in the market share. Right. um, Like you're not a bodega. Not at all. No, no. We, there's a security guard. We're not, people smile. Everybody's happy yeah. to be there. Oh, I like it. There's security. I had heard about that because, um, yeah. you know, on I guess on the East Coast, it's like Massachusetts, New Hampshire, I think, is legal and you can like walk in. But so like back to the intimidation factor, I don't smoke weed, but I will eat an edible. Right. And I'm like, but I wouldn't want to walk in and seem like a total idiot to someone and being like, I want this to make me feel light or like I want this to make me laugh or make me fall asleep whatever right. I wouldn't want someone to be like you fucking idiot go over here I don't know I guess like that's just you know even in the even in the bodega dispensaries I have never had that experience okay, and yeah. I do that every single time I go shopping I would feel I just because also and correct me if I'm wrong Steve but like sure. when, you, when you shop in a dispensary it's you don't have the same inventory every time you go in correct never, it's like what's never, available yeah never just can never. be frustrating sometimes <laughs> yeah like, i love that one every everything in the industry at this point i think it's safe to say is a boutique brand because of there aren't 110 growers that are all making a blue dream cartridge that's mm-hmm. exactly the same so think of it like small batch brewing you know, everybody's sort of familiar with, or, or wine bottles. They do like a limited edition of something. Because cannabis doesn't have the robustness that other agricultural inter- industries do at this point, when something runs out, it does that very quickly. And so it's given rise to 
people who know a whole lot about strains. In other words, sometimes when you go like the, in the intimidation factor of going into a dispensary and saying, not even, I know what I want, but I don't know what I want. Right. I know I'd like something, but I don't know how to kind of figure out what that is. That's an even more you know, complex discussion. And if you feel already intimidated, you're not going to advocate for yourself. You're not right. going to speak up. You're not going to, uh, you're not going to feel comfortable asking for that more complex thing. And what that may actually be is the thing that's best for you. Yes. I've seen a lot of people, you know, there, there's, there's definitely dispensaries in this area where it is a retail dispensary, meaning you can walk up with a basket and take stuff off a shelf and put it into a cart and you go pay for oh, it. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so business model wise, there's a huge variance in terms of like the level of expertise, how much actual customer interaction you do. There's a lot of different checkout models where you can just say like you go to a, a tablet and you take, you know, I want this, 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 oh, and mm-hmm. this, and somebody go grabs everything for you and they just give it to you and there's no consultation. Mm-hmm. And so what, you know, what places I think that has especially had focused mostly on medical is they're going to start you with a consultation because they're assuming you're coming in as a little bit more of a savvy consumer right. or beginner who needs a lot more information to start. Um, and I, that's, that's, I think, where, where the striation is in how the dispensaries operate, how much experience they give you. Like, if you come into a place and they're like, man, what you got this dank? <laughs> that's valid from people. That is a valid way of saying, like, I know I, that's, a, that's a thing. So that's just as valid as coming into some place where I work. And somebody saying, you know, I have a lot of anxiety and I tried this other thing and this and they didn't work and I don't know why. And I'd like to find out more about maybe making a better choice. So we get both of those people. Right. Right. So that's the thing is that you try to, as a, I think what we do well is we have a really broad customer base, including um, my friend told me I should try cannabis. Yeah. That's it. They're walking in the door. They, they, they probably have health issues. They might have a chef of anxiety or depression or whatever. They don't know how to verbalize that. They've never been in a position where they have to ask for cannabis. Like, how right. do you... Okay, do you so let's role play for a second. I was just yeah, going to say. Absolutely. So if, if somebody comes in, to you, comes in, all right, so Issa's coming in and she's, yeah. you know, complete novice. Yeah. Where do you start somebody off like that? Right. Like, how do you assess them off the bat? Maybe it's not a medical problem because I'm going to go ahead and make a a range of things. I'm going to make an assumption that majority of people listening are not suffering from such a severe medical um, situation where they're turning to cannabis. It may be anxiety, maybe sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, something very, like that. Too, or very maybe, common. Yeah. Ones. Or maybe just yeah. they want to like chill out a little, you know? Mm-hmm. So what do you tell somebody that comes in and just has no clue? There's there's a number of ways that you can kind of do it. And, um, you know, I have a pretty long experience doing customer service work. So I'm looking for things like body language. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm looking yeah. to see what their stance is. Like, do they seem um, upset? Are they hurting? Do they look like they're exhibiting physical pain? Like they're, they're hunched over, they're walking with a cane. Um, and then if it doesn't appear anything right off the bat, I say, you know, what brings you in today? That can be, I just want to grab a joint and go out of my lunch hour and smoke. Mm-hmm. Like I'm stressed out or whatever. Or um, I just had, 
you know, got diagnosed with stenosis and which is over bone growth in the spine and I'm experiencing terrible pain. That sounds horrible. It's what what gives a lot of people sciatica. You hear old people say, my sciatica is acting Mm -hmm. up. It's a pinched nerve that is created by, you know, a a range of things. But uh, stenosis is often very common in older people that have, uh, you know, osteoarthritis and things. So what brings people in, it may take one of that, just one question, hey, I've, I've got a, I just got my knee replaced and I'm in like a lot of pain or um, uh, my friends in the hospital, I'm super stressed out. I just want like, a, I'm going to just go walk around for a few blocks while he's in the emergency room and I just want to smoke something because I'm right. super, you know, like, so it can be everything along that spectrum. And once I kind of assess that, then it's like, the tone that I take and how I ask questions and what questions I ask is really based on what they give me. Because mm-hmm. I'm always, this is my personal approach. Not everybody does this, but what I think the best thing to do is to try to meet people where they're at. Mm-hmm. And some people are warm and present and bubbly and just, yay, I'm so happy to be here. And it's like Disneyland, right? <laughs> Other people come in and there's really heavy shit going on in their lives and, yeah. and they're not coping and they're, they're in like really dark places. And so, you know, there's, so those are kind of Venn diagrams that I look at and then it's like, what do you want? Right. I just want to join. Or um, I, I, I can't smoke. I have asthma. I have COPD. Right. I have lung cancer. What about an edible? What about right. a tincture? You know, so so that's really I start asking questions, and then depending on how they steer me, because I'm really following them. I'm yeah. Right. I'm sometimes I'm doing a lot of listening. Sometimes I'm doing a lot of talking because I'm they're giving me very short answers. You know, which is fine. Uh, and some people also just want to talk. Yeah, yeah. You're like a therapist. Yeah, for we, sure. We do, a, you, we do a lot of of what I call non psychological diagnostic work, which is trying to find out where people are at when they come in, because in a lot of ways that determines really what is actually going to be best for them. They may not know they what they're looking for, and it mm-hmm. helps to kind of get that to a point yeah. that's actually really the best thing for them. So, for example, if you came in and you said. Um, I'll tell you what I'm going to say. I want to feel good and I want to laugh. Okay. So the first question is, is there any particular format or high that you prefer? So you mentioned edibles already. Okay, but wait, let's take this opportunity to to talk about the different forms of of ways that you can ingest i guess so what are the most popular ways obviously smoking do you want to do you want to just like give and and kind of give you a little spectrum here as we go across and do them all okay yeah so the primary way most people get high is through smoking Mm -hmm. so vaporizing in other words that's smoking a joint using water bongs um whatever it is combusting the flower in some way Mm mm-hmm the next high after that would be vaporizing the flower. In other words, not using oils, but actually putting the flower okay, in a vaporizing yeah. unit and turning it into a gas oh. with, with, heat, with heat and pressure. I've only done that once. It's I've, awesome. I've never heard of that. It's very flavorful. That's the way I get high. Yeah, That's what awesome. I use. And, I'll, and we can come back to kind you of You need like special that. equipment though. You do. It's a little more <laughs> specialized. It's, it's a little more um, efficient though, oh. but it's also more aesthetic. So we mm-hmm. can, we'll come back to that. <laughs> 
Um, and then the, the next uh, inhaled high would be either dabbing and or vaping, some mm-hmm. form of, of vaporizing either an oil or a concentrate of some form. Okay. Those are the highs that are going to be inhaled through your lungs. They're going to go into your bloodstream very quickly in a matter of seconds in some cases mm-hmm. uh, and get into the, the they're going to break that, it's going to break the brain blood barrier. In other words, it's going to get into your brain. It's going to have whatever psychoactive or non-psychoactive effect based on what you're smoking, how, how strong what you're smoking is. So that's an immediate high. A lot of people like smoking because it's very immediate. It's a really quick shift. If it's for things like pain management and mood management, right. smoking's best. You know, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's not always ideal because of somebody's health issues, for example. Yeah, um, right. But uh, I think for people that tend to be more medicinally oriented, they seem to gravitate towards smoking, mm-hmm. in my experience. Edibles uh, are the other end of the spectrum. They're going to take the longest to kick in, uh, and there's there's more factors at play there. In other words, how hydrated you are. If you're having right. it on a full stomach, if you're having it on an empty stomach, if you're dehydrated, those are going to either intensify or dither the onset of edibles. So some people don't like edibles because they ascend for so long before you're at the peak, yeah. and then the peak lasts a really long time. So for some people, they wear them out. It's like, yeah. it's, it's like being on a treadmill too long. Right. And some people, and that's why some people like smoking because it's like a roller coaster. You go really high, really quick. And wherever the high takes you, you giggle, you dance, you get in a good mood. Right. Yeah. And then you can kind of come down off the ride. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who I started off smoking. That's why I like that smoking a high. I'm more about uh, mood and anxiety management at this point. Mm-hmm. And so I want that quick shift. I want something that's like, I don't want to wait. I yeah. still do. Edibles. I don't want to wait either. I don't want to wait. I'm, I also don't, know, I don't prefer, I don't like the um, unpredictability. I'm like, when is this happening? <laughs> and, and there's a lot because there's so many variables. I think edibles are one of those things where you kind of have to sign on for whatever may end up happening in order to Ooh, be comfortable doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. If you if you take an edible and you go, it's supposed to do this, man. There's almost like a fifty fifty chance it's going to go one way or the other. Right. You know, yeah. your, your expectations also color your perceptions of what should happen. Right. With smoking, it's like it's so immediate. It's like this is happening, and I'm on board with it. Yeah, with edibles, yeah. it's like because it keeps going. Sometimes after it's comfortable, if you've had experiences, mm. you're like, okay, like I'm high, I'm high. Oh my god, I'm really, I'm really getting. Oh my god, I'm getting. Guys, too I'm high. really fucking high. That happened I, to me. I, oh my gosh, has it happened to it's all of so us? It's so embarrassing. I got Ooh. stuck in a vortex with a girl that talks too much, and oh, I had no. to stop myself from leaning into her face. Like, <laughs> I had to remind myself not to like. Keep it was like a mantra. Like, what? It was wild. It was That's a great so time funny. though. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, go for it. Please. No, no, I was going to change the subject. I have so yeah, many questions. We can go I, all over the place. Uh, we I know. Have, I have questions <laughs> about the different strains. Um, sure. Well, I mean, I guess I have questions on behalf of, yeah. So yeah, I would love for you to explain to us. So there's indica, there's sativa, and there's hybrids. Correct. That That's, that's the spectrum of, of a phenotype. But there that was a big other, ass word, man. Sorry, I'm getting like we're getting a little too technical. Stop me if I get too jargony, please. <laughs> um, 
but the the cannabis plant also has other species which are relative to it. So hemp is related to okay. cannabis. They they are they are adjacent, you know, cousins in the in the plant world. Um, but hemp has very very low THC. But they all have THC. They okay, all okay. So hemp CBD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we you you had this in the, one of the questions like what yeah. is that? Yeah. So it- let's just say this one time <laughs> for everybody listening. CBD does not get you high. CBD, the, uh, here's how I would, I, would, I would overall agree with that. But here's an important distinction. CBD, you'll hear people say it's non-psychoactive because it doesn't provide the same psychoactivity. It's actually using a different cannabinoid receptor in the brain, which is why they work differently. It's, mm-hmm. That's simplifying it. But because of that, it does still create an affect in the brain. It is still having a chemical reaction. It is still having a stimulant effect, but it is not interpreted the same way that the THC's psychoactive process is interpreted by our brain. So it feels different. It doesn't feel as kind of, I mean, I've heard psychoactivity described in a in number of ways and it's like poetry. It's like, how right. do you interpret a, a mood or a feeling? You know, it's very mm-hmm. esoteric, but that's also when you when you have something that's cbd rich for a lot of people they're like oh like i'm not high but i feel good like i feel yeah. more relaxed i don't i'm not stoned and which and is why I, people take cbd for anxiety right or like yeah. put it in their coffee yeah. or whatever but how yeah. does yeah. hemp fit into that i'm sorry no. well hemp hemp and cannabis both have amounts of cbd in them hemp just happens it seems like i don't know if this is something that was just a normal outgrowth of it being used as an industrial product early in the 20th century but it has more cbd in it i guess naturally cannabis in the 60s and 70s because people realized that thc was the cannabinoid that made us psychoactive uh-huh. flowering you know started going towards let's make it more high in thc let's take strains test them for potency Interesting. And then take those those things out of it so we can get the THC up. Now, that has since kind of been reexamined. And we also know that because there are, you know, there's a hundred plus other cannabinoids that are in the cannabis plant and the and the terpenes and other phytochemicals that are in plants and things that are have chlorophyll in them. So all of that chemistry, when you smoke flowers, this is why flowers are so specific. Mm. So, so particular. So there's strains that are very old, which haven't been hybridized a lot. You'll hear people talk about Maui Wowie and Acapulco Gold and Thai Stick and those strains that they were around in like Vietnam in the 60s and in places like that. And they were very particular because they weren't hybridized and chopped up. Interesting. So were you going to ask about CBD? Oh, CBD. Sorry, we got off topic there. No, Uh, that's yeah, but CBD now we're breeding it the other direction. We're making right, right. cannabis plants that have almost all CBD in right. some cases, very very high. Whereas what you get in like a supermarket, if you look at the CBD products, they're almost always hemp derived because can- uh, supermarkets don't have cannabis licenses, so they have to sell hemp derived CBD. That's why you. Um, so can there get is it. a difference between hemp derived CBD that you get, or there's a difference between the CBD you get at the grocery store versus the CBD that you get at a dispensary? The molecule is the same. The molecule is the same. That's the science that's important to remember. The question is, what veracity has that product gone through in its testing 
to get to the market. It's like a herbal a supplement. When you get like CBD that's like in a soap bar or whatever mm-hmm, in a grocery yeah. store, which you can get here and even where the dispensaries are, but it's not tested. There's mm-hmm. no, there's nothing that they have to go through to get that product to market other than listing the ingredients essentially. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah, because there's, there's like a place that. around the corner from my store that has it and I'm always looking at it and I'm like, Am I going to get really sleepy? Like I get like, I knew, I know there's no THC in it, but I don't, I didn't know what CBD would do to my body. So I was like, I can be at work falling asleep. But I think uh, like, like we, you, I would assume people have different reactions to CBD too. It seems like it's, there's, there's, in my experience, you know, even if you kind of cut out placebo effect, uh, which is what you know people is yeah, it's, it's gonna work um, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is hey thank God for a placebo effect because it's probably why most you know over the counter stuff is really effective um, but it, in terms of I think for a lot of people it how I see it affect people is that it brings their stress response down right now that can be from inflammation because you have inflammation systemically like you mm-hmm. like even if you're like wrist is swollen you have inflammation that's happening all over your body it's oh, not just the localized that. stuff yeah so so our inflammation is both systemic and localized you can have both um so you know some people take cbd you'll hear people i think a little bit um people talk it up because of what they perceive it to be doing rather than the actual mechanism by which it is shown to work. So people will say, it helps me sleep. CBD is not sedating. And that's an important thing I want people to take away is that you'll, we talk a lot about people who use it for sleep. It can definitely engender sleep for certain people, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't sedate the same way that THC does. Right. And so one yeah. of the things you'll see in a lot of uh, things that are prescribed for sleep is a one-to-one ratio of THC and CBD. Yeah. So you're getting, right. you're getting best, basically you're getting the, the, the best of both worlds and you are then getting some physical relaxation and you're also getting mental quiet ostensibly. In other yeah, words, I, I take believe. CBD in the mornings and yeah. yeah. it makes me fine. Um, and so- because you're not going to sleep. Right. That's the thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just take it because it just kind of takes me down a notch. So I take it in the morning for anti-inflammatory for lower back pain. That's what oh. I, I take it for a lot of, I have a lot of inflammation in, in, um, in uh, my lumbar back support mm-hmm. area. So yeah. And I definitely notice the difference by like midday. It's like, okay, I'm not sore anymore. Oh, yeah. that's nice. And you know, I'm on my feet all day. So <laughs> yeah. With the different strains. So like, yeah, what moods are like, I guess like what makes you feel certain ways? Like generally, indica, generally, speaking. yeah. Like if you were supposed to just like, because obviously we don't have time to go through all like bajillion strains. Yeah, like, no, no, no. What is it? Indica, sativa, indica and sativa, and hybrid. Okay. Uh, so yeah. if you look at them as a spectrum, you'll hear a lot of people say indicas are more body high. In other words, you're more aware of them in the in the physical relaxation or you know calming aspects of it. Sativa Can you make general, any yeah. of these strains into edibles? Like, are they both can, involved in edibles? Well, there the complicator there is that when you ingest cannabis as opposed to smoking, you know, when you when you I was using the term entourage effect earlier. When you smoke cannabis, you're getting all that hundred or whatever it is, cannabinoids and the terpenes. The terpenes in a lot of ways are what shade that experience. Okay. So, so for example, there's a terpene uh, called limonene. It's in lemon peels. If you've ever seen the zest come off of lemon peel, that like bright citrusy kind of smell. 
Mm-hmm. That chemical is a natural antidepressant. It 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 feels good. There's a reason. There's a lot of lemon uh, smelling cleaning chemicals for the same reason. It, we oh, have a positive connotation with that chemical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and pine is the same thing. You know, there's a reason walking in a pine forest is so relaxing and calming, and that all your cleaning chemicals also smell like pine. It makes us mm. feel good. Yeah. So there, I think we're kind of reevaluating whether the indica sativa hybrid i mean kind of everything's a hybrid at this point that's the first thing we should talk about you'll hear people say i can only smoke full sativas or full indicas even those land race strains the ones that haven't been hybridized a lot they're still hybrids from strains that were in the locations where that strain came from so like afghani it's from afghanistan but it's not one species of, of cannabis from Afghanistan. It's a hybrid of all those strains being naturally hybridized and crossed over the time and then being imported here. Right. So there are some strains which are, quote, indica, which have a lot of psychoactivity and for a lot of people are very kind of mood boosting because mm-hmm. they relax them into feeling relaxed and, and yeah. deeply, right? Other people get to that same spot from sativas. So what I usually tell people is, in that process, when we, you know, when we do, when we talk to people about what is that you actually want, like, what do you, what kind of experience you're looking for? Is that to giggle? Is that to just chill out? Is that to sleep? I'm a giggler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like giggling. I like sleeping. I like anxiety control. <laughs> I like all of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of an equal opportunity player when I, when I think about like the good benefits of cannabis. So it has good fits in all those things. But you know, more of the giggling tends to be more on the sativa side because sativas generally are a less, let's say less physically aware. Which ones make you hungry? Like which, is that a, like, is that really a it's thing? It's a thing. It is a thing. Munchies okay, are good, because it happens to me. So I wanted to justify and it, why. And it doesn't happen to everybody. Yeah, so I never get hungry. Ew, I always Ever. get the bad ones. I, I get, get bad so traits thirsty, of but not hungry. It's, it's I get really thirsty too, but then I think I eat. You know, like I think I'm, mm, I do it to myself. It's probably both. It's probably both. So there are some people, you know, they've shown that THC in some cases can actually suppress the frontal lobe of the brain somewhat. And that's the Mm -hmm. part of your brain that's like, stop eating, start Mm -hmm. eating, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. Um, So a lot of, of the way people respond to cannabis is about how they respond to indica or sativa. When I was younger... I could smoke sativa or indica, didn't matter. I could smoke whatever. When I hit my 30s, sativas kind of started turning on me a little bit, especially mm-hmm. things like Jack Herrera. That's a strain that's known for being very euphoric, made me crazy, paranoid. You know, oh, no. Not right, not that very uncomfortable, jittery. Yeah. Like, I yeah, want to like go. I don't want to fucking be high. I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. I just want to go into my apartment and just like, you know, turn the lights off. So I definitely have, get why people have the variance of interactions. And there's also the thing that our brains change over time. You'll hear people say like, I haven't been stoned for 25 years. It's like starting over. It's like getting high for the first time because the brain that they had when they got high the first time is our brains are plastic. It's constantly, you know, so when you smoke again after a long break, even if you take a year break, it's a different experience when you start again. Wow. So, you know, it's, but giggles are, I think more, in my experience, more on the sativa side, things that are more uplifting, more yeah. euphoric, more more cerebral, you know, because it's laughter. I'm going to say something like really there. embarrassing. Do it. Go for it. So 
if I am congesting, I was going to say ingesting sativas, not only does it make me laugh, then I'll fall asleep. And I've had this on two experiences now. I fart myself awake. <laughs> <laughs> you, get muscle, you. you get muscle contractions? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. And I thought that I was like crazy. <laughs> I'm like, why only when I'm eating an edible do I fart myself awake? It's it. Some edibles have, it. well, it depends. Also for some people, it depends on the edibles. Like edibles that have a lot of butter, like brownies and cookies. Some oh, cannabinoids yeah. like relax your gut and make you like. Oh my little, gosh. I See, I, I just mean, I'm, that's my gut is so Because I'm not a farter. Like, like, is it? Yeah, I'm, just, like, <laughs> I'm not completely familiar with your gastrointestinal system, but if <laughs> yeah. I had to guess. Oh my God. I apologize, I say, but also yeah. thank yeah. you. <laughs> but I'm just keeping it, keeping it real. But that I have, I have heard people say like they got very physically relaxed. Like they just. Yeah. I think that's people, where I was. Eyes, very physical. Because and, I, like yeah. I said, I'm not a, like, I'm not an active farter. I can't handle doing that in front of like my boy no i can't even think about it but well, remember too edibles are the other thing about edibles is that when when you have an edible in general the high generally is stronger because your stomach tends to destroy a lot like when you smoke you get all the cannabinoids all the the terpenes it's a very succinct experience right when you eat cannabis your stomach and your liver destroy a lot of those esoteric cannabinoids so you end up with a very strong kind of more of a hybrid high anyway got so, it so you may have ended up with a very physically relaxing high even though it started off with a bit more of a mood up like it was giggly at the beginning and then later yeah. when you're like i'm just chilled out like i'm coming yeah. down you relax a little bit more you get more of that physical end of the high because the edible high has been off. known to slip into a coma for like half a day when she eats an edible yeah um but and I, then she wakes up like texts me like i I just rose from the dead and I sent her like 17 text messages. Yeah. Um, I have a quick question and then I want to, um, I have a quick question about hybrids, which yeah. I don't want to spend a lot of time on, but so I, I'm assuming that within hybrids, there's a spectrum within hybrids. I mean, I know you said that for the most part, we're talking about hybrids yeah. in general, but yeah, yeah. Um, a hybrid um, can contain different percentages of different strains and does that lead to different percentages of cbd versus thc because i know sometimes i come home with like 84 16 or like 78 22 yeah. i can't even math but you it's know what i mean dominant indica dominant versus full indica versus a true is that hybrid. what that means well let's the cbd can be uh, to, here's how i would answer that to i will try to give you a succinct answer when you have a lot of cbd in any flower it's not really sativa or indica dominant at that point because the thing that would make it those two things the psychoactivity and the thc is so reduced so you just get like a mild sort of high so i don't know that i would sort of classify a cbd rich flower um as being that pole at what point do you consider it cbd rich like at what percentage if it's more than a one-to-one to to me that and i would say because once you once you have equal amounts of psychoactivity and i'm using i'm blanket terming these and a non-psychoactive or less psychoactive less stony yeah uh, cannabinoid structure anything more that you add this thc is going to start to make it tip more right. towards one side or the other. I've actually never had a one-to-one. That's what they, my mom takes to sleep, mm-hmm. a one-to-one tixture. I've, I've always some done flowers THC heavy. So when I say yeah. 84, 16, I mean 84% THC, I think, mm-hmm. right? Is that what I mean? Where are, you doing, are you talking about something that's <laughs> CBD rich? 
I'm or talking about THC rich. I should have brought some. I only smoke THC rich. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can have like a small percentage of CBD in a flower that has very high THC, for example. Okay. So what makes it a hybrid is the, the blend of indica and sativa, not the blend of CBD and THC. Correct. Correct. Okay. Because you can have, have a strain. That. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's a good, it's a good question because you'll, I think it's a little bit of a misnomer when people say, well, I, in other words, like it's gotta be sativa dominant, but I want it have to have a lot of CBD. And it's like, well, that's kind of redundant. It's like yeah. thing. I want a car that they only goes two miles an hour. It's like, you could just walk, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but because of that, people sometimes, there are certain strains, for example, there's a strain called pineapple tonic. Pineapple mm. is a little bit more psychoactive, but they took the pineapple strain and bred it with another strain called canatonic, which is very like a, like a two to one. And so it has a little bit of both. It's very balanced. There's what other the strains. How do they come up with the names for these things? I don't know. I they're think high too. And they're having a good time. It's, it's literally a, insane. It, a lot of it is is marketing. I think you know to be a little cynical about it. There's there's some historical <laughs> tendencies for things like Afghani came from Afghanistan. Red Congo came from Africa. Like there, so some of those older strains. But like now, because it's more about the people that make it, we're getting into like like star breeders and people right. who are like boutique, you know, like geneticists and and you know nothing wrong with it but they want to put their name on things right so there's a lot of of you know there there are strains out there where it's like it's it's cool to get that strain from that grower because their cut is something you know unusual or superb so we're definitely getting into a like a there's there's still people that like, like I designer weed oh yeah it, it definitely is we're i mean even with the vape thing right now if you look in concentrates and the extension of that there's people that are getting so specific like it, almost outside of my technical expertise just from the chemistry like you know like like butane extraction is just where it begins. They're like mm -hmm. way off in the weeds in terms of extracting. There's oils yeah, that look almost like water. But um, um, <laughs> I need a symbol behind me. Um, but because of that, it's sort of like, it, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I like, I like LP records. I'm an analog guy. I like, mm -hmm. I like the high I get from smoking weed. I don't get it. You're old school. Anything. I just started smoking when Sorry, I couldn't get edibles. I'll take old school. I'm 47. <laughs> I know that's, you know, I, I work with people who are half my age and I'm like their parents' age and it's so cute <laughs> because they're like, yeah, man, I got like this dank weed and, you know, they're coming from a different cannabis background. And right. Great. It's just, I want to talk about real quick. So like, yeah. I and just to like pivot a little bit, how I want to know how you handle people. Like, do you tell people what you do? For work? Do I tell people what I do? In, like if you meet somebody you and meet they're like, what do you do? Yeah. Um, I usually, if I'm meeting somebody for the first time, I tell them everything that I do in a general sense. In other yeah. words, I'm a designer. I also work at a dispensary and I'm also a fine artist. Like those, those are the kind of three things that I throw out there. So say but, you're like meeting new people and you're, you know, you're discussing like your day and like you talk about the dispensary, blah, blah, blah. And how do you approach people that give you pushback about it mm, yeah well uh one i mean you're I in san francisco I, so yeah I was just i'm sure say, you don't experience it that much i'm in a bit of a bubble but but it's a it's a good question actually because what i have noticed i noticed this going through school is that there there again we were men, i mentioned something at the very beginning about morals and the moral judgment that comes yeah. after 
I have never, I've had some bad edible experiences, mm. including the farting. Just, just yeah. it. we've all been there. We, we've, all, we've, we've all had too many brownies. It happens. It's okay. <laughs> Testify. Um, but I think because my my judgment around it has never been that it was it made a person good or bad. Yeah, I met, I've met I've met horrible people that smoke cannabis. People who are just like these giant a holes. I, I never want to like deal with, but they also smoke cannabis. Right. And then I've had people it's not the weed's just, fault. They're just assholes. That's yeah. exactly it. It, it. it it that to me helped me really focus on who actually smokes and that there's no real judgment around it because we're all getting high or not getting high, but we're all looking for relief. And if that's just to be giggly for an afternoon Mm -hmm. and take your your brain away for, you know, a little staycation in your own body, right? Boom. You know, cannabis is a lot of things to a lot of people. And I've, I can stand behind that no matter who I talk to. Mm -hmm. And I would put my, you know, a, a pink, Thing, the thing in people's perception about what you'll hear is called bud tenders. Like it's demeaning. Like I just put a, I just put a plant in a bag. It's like we do, if you look at the broader person out there that's doing consulting around cannabis, which right. is what I think this is being, um, we're, we're doing a bigger service than just putting a, a pre-roll joint in your bag. We're doing, yeah. like you said, a lot of, a lot of psychological stuff, a lot of, trying to help people, you know, there's, there's a, a, a lot of empathy involved, I think in the cannabis industry, because you're helping a lot of people who are sick. Right. Yeah. You know, not everybody's out. Some people are, I would say the great majority of people are recreational users, but it's in California, there's a lot of, of medicinal users, people who, yeah, I, get, I can get high, but this is what I'm really using it yeah, for. So right. like I would, I, if somebody was like, I'm a, I'm in finance or I'm in tech. And I would say I'm a designer. That's cause that's my, that's my professional training. That's sort of what I've been doing the longest. And I also work for, uh, you know, in a dispensary environment and I advise people on using cannabis. Right. What do you feel it like? It often engenders good questions, by the way, not judgmental questions. It's been the opposite in my experience. Oh, People good. People ask me questions like, oh, really? Like, I, Yeah, but I well, think, again, like you're in a total bubble. Like, I feel like are. there's a lot of people still that have... And, you know, I'm, I'm wondering from your perspective, like, what do you think are some stigmas around cannabis that you would like to clear up? Um, well, there's definitely still a lot of stigmas. Um, I think in bigger cities and geographically speaking, in places where cannabis or let's say medicinal cannabis is already kind of accepted. Like people may not like it, but they understand it has these benefits for people that they may not have to worry about, for example, you know, cancer treatment or epilepsy or whatever. Um, I think right now we're at a kind of a tipping point in terms of people's perceptions changing. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's an exciting time to be alive. Like I'm kind of in an industry right now that's really at the very edge of the law. Yeah. And also, and also it, there's a lot of overlap with other industries. Like, um, you know, you start to see like where the money is happening and we, you know, you, one of the things that you mentioned was about uh, big tobacco. Yeah. That's where I was going to go next. And, and how big tobacco you know, here's how, it, here's how I, look, I would explain it to people. There will always be a boutique market 
for cannabis that's very cleaved away from any kind of big brands and things like that. And there will always be people who are the bootleggers, the black market people, the people that are doing home brewing and things like that, which there still exists in in alcohol. And then there is definitely going to be a part of the money making aspect of cannabis that investment people come in because that's what they do in this country where we, you know, I, I I don't want to be crass, but we're, weed is happening weed is exploding really inside of a capitalistic society where people are looking for investment opportunities yeah so it's like the golden goat it just looks fantastic and everybody wants to like take the goat home so right now there's a lot of of let's say people that are investing in the cannabis industry but they're doing it through other entities corporations in some cases investment groups in some cases um and that money, that money be, can be coming from anywhere. So that's probably going to happen anyway. I think, right. in other words, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying I, I'm happy about it. I would off, obviously, I don't want there to be a, <laughs> they've got enough money. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but from my, from my standpoint, I, because I'm seeing this happen over a long period of time, even with equity programs, even with that, the the market is eventually going to probably striate where there's big brands that do cannabis, you know? Yeah. And, and there's mid-level brands that do cannabis. And then there's like small boutique, you know, individual companies that their product is too premium to really do in mass. You know, mm. we definitely have those equivalents mm-hmm. of those in, in, uh, in any, you know, professional consumer goods, you know, this right. just happens to be cannabis. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm, I'm somebody who's worked in marketing enough where I, I can step back from that and see like, this is about the system kind of already the system that cannabis kind of was introduced to was already sort of weird and has its own problems. In other words, like yeah. it's, cannabis just ran into the train from the side, in other words. So we'll see what, how, whether that works out in the long term, where we get more of a egalitarian marketplace where people who don't have like the money that Nabisco and right. Philip Morris and whoever they are now, they've rebranded or whatever. Um, well, you were just mentioning marketing. So I want to know, yeah. like, because I think that it was like really pushed on TV and all that when they were saying that weed's the gateway drug. Mm-hmm. So I want to know. It's an like, exit drug. It's an exit drug from okay. a lot of people. I was going to say, I want to know your opinion on like when people say that, because to be quite honest with you, I, um, I had an opiate addiction mm-hmm. and I'm in recovery for that, but I can mm-hmm. 100% guarantee that I was not smoking weed before I went into using. Mm. So right. like for me, it was not a gateway drug. Yeah. I think it, I think it can go both directions. I think a lot of why people, let's say, I'm going to use the term addiction. Why people? I mean, it can, people can be addicted to a number of things. People can just also be addicted to unhealthy behaviors. Right. People that don't do drugs also are addicted to certain things. Right. But I think what a, the problem is it's a confluence of opportunity and lack of. of good access to mental health care in other words right. we don't get we don't you know if you if you look at like high schools in the 1970s there was there was like one counselor for every 60 kids now there's one yeah. for every like 400 kids if they got one right right so as we are as we enter the period of time where we become aware of our unhappiness or anxiety 
what our childhoods have sort of, you know, left us with, that's the time where people start going like, God, I'm, I'm struggling. Like, right. I don't know how to cope with this. And so you reach for the first thing that comes to you. For some people, that is weed. For some people, that is weed. Right. For other people, that's whatever's in their mom's medicine cabinet. Mm-hmm. For other people, it's their friend is also dealing or struggling with something or is, is also using, becomes their first interaction with drugs, and it's not positive. So, you know, where, where we have legalization in a lot of cases, we have people who are using cannabis more as an exit drug. That is everything from smoking cigarettes, even though in some mm. cases they still end up smoking. Right. Um, that is for some people getting off of opiates, and that includes everything from meth to um, I just had jaw surgery, and they kept shoving these things at me, and I'm still in pain. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And that also includes things like alcohol addiction and other drugs, which are really about the person's need to self-medicate to deal with something that was underlying the addiction, in other words, right. unhappiness and other issues. So what I think cannabis can allow those people to do is to get something that is less harmful. And in some cases, because there's more choices, there's right. more uh, range of the way people can get something that actually works for them individually. It's like, you don't want to smoke? Cool. Because you know, in other words, if smoking was your addiction before, maybe you want to try edibles. Yeah. Maybe you want to do tinctures. You know. So there's a, and maybe you don't want to get high. So you know, I think where people who are looking to get away from other types of things that may not work for them anymore, mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason, um, I think cannabis offers a much healthier alternative for some of those people, and and in, in a lot of cases, in most cases, less harmful you know, overall doesn't yeah. get in the way of, you know, certainly hasn't for me after <laughs> 30, what am I going on here? When I take my, I took my first hit of pot in April 4th, 1994. Oh my wow. gosh. You remember the date? Because because it was the first four, time. 494. Yes, it was. Um, completely coincidental. It was the end of a terrible relationship and, and I had to like live in my car for a couple months. Oh no. But my, but my lovely friends, these two gay guys were like, just just come over to our house. Like, we know you're hurting. Like, just come over, you know. Um, I just put all my stuff in a storage locker, and they're like, come over. Like, we'll feed you. You can sleep on our couch. Everything's going to be cool. But for God's sakes, would you just, like, you are so tense. You're, they could tell I was, like, in real distress. Yeah. And, uh, they said, we're going to smoke. He's like, I don't know what your view is on drugs. I don't know. You know, they didn't know. But I really think you should take ahead of this joint. Now, to put this in context, I was one of those kids who grew up in the anti-drug 80s. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. actually in a anti-drug group when I was in high school. Oh, wow. Dare? Yes. <laughs> not a dare. It was not dare, but it was like our own version of like, it was like dare light or something for our local <laughs> high school. Um, <laughs> we don't do drugs. And, you know, it was, I mean, it was, it was great. It was, it was, it was very, it was very, yeah, it was very like, please your parents, you know, like, we're not getting messed up. <laughs> I was such a good kid anyway. I wouldn't have done drugs at that point if I had the chance to. But because of that, I was like, like, I shouldn't do this. I, I'm, I'm not going to use a term that I was weak, but it was like, what else bad could happen today? Mm-hmm. Right. right. In other oh. words, like the worst thing that could happen was I could just have like another bad experience. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm ready for it. And I'm, this is like, those are like mythical stories about people. You know, there's people, some people say they got stoned the first time and they didn't, it didn't do anything. And then the yeah. next time they got high, 
mine was the first time. I took a hit off the joint and I just, he took the, the, my friend took the joint out of my hand and I was just sitting there for a second and I was like, hmm. And in that couple of seconds, in other words, that very quick kind of nerve response. Yeah. I finally, you know, cause I, I'm a hyperactive kid. I took Ritalin in the seventies, like anxiety and depression and, and kind of overstimulated brain has sort of been my normal for all through the seventies. And then finally I was like, my brain was like, Oh, this must be how other people feel like, like I feel good, mm. I feel relaxed. I don't feel like I'm stuck in my head. Yeah. I feel good about, even though like my life had just gone into like a total nosedive, uh, it, it, it was like, I'm going to handle this. That's awesome. And then so, I started laughing my head off. For yeah, that's, my <laughs> but that's why you remember the date. What a pivotal moment. It, so was, now, very, like, it was very lucid. Even now it's still very lucid. That's, that's amazing. That's so now like going from, like you said, you were like a really good kid growing up. You wouldn't have yeah. smoked in high school, not even if it was in front of you. And yeah. you smoke with your friends for the first time. Yeah. What are some like myths that you want to uh, bust? Dispel about, about marijuana. Um, okay. the, the obvious one, uh, plenty of, good people smoke marijuana. I hate to be political for a moment, but it, political is personal. So right. um, I think the demographic of people who use cannabis, both recreational and medicinal, is everybody. It is every demographic. Mm-hmm. It is every ethnic demographic, mm-hmm. every racial demographic. I've you know, I've sold weed to people who were um, Hindi. I've sold people who are blind. I've sold people who don't speak English across wow. a number of, you know, people who the only thing that they could do was do this, hold up a, you know, hold I up a joint. For, for the <laughs> listeners, I'm holding up like, the, I'm making the universal sign of somebody taking a toe from a joint. Um, but because... Yeah, I mean, it's a there. It, it, weed is in some ways like music for people. It's a very universal language oh, wow. that everybody kind of understands, and that's why when you go to other countries, they have their there's a cannabis culture that's that's local and there's regional mm-hmm. stuff. If you go to Southern California, the culture around weed is different. If you go to Southern California or Northern California, it's it's its own flavor. The Bay Area is its own thing, and you know, every state kind of has their own sort of vibe and the way the market runs and everybody's doing something different. It's kind of nice. I have one more question for you before we go into a couple of questions from our sure. listeners. Yeah. How, this two-part question. Sure. How do you educate yourself and how the fuck do you remember so much goddamn yeah. information? <laughs> um, let's see. The, how do I remember such so much information? Um... I think it's probably an outgrowth of being hyperactive and I want to be specific about this because I don't think everybody does, not everybody quote in the, the cannabis field is, is, uh, as knowledgeable. That's not a, uh, is, is it, it, it's just that. Are you so educated because, um, I overcompensate. I overcompensated when I was young because I had trouble concentrating. So well, like when I was like a child, mm-hmm. I got called retarded. Mm-hmm. I'm very sensitive when people use that word yeah. as a, politically as a, you know, a kind of epithet. Um, and it wasn't that I wasn't intelligent. It was that I couldn't express yeah. my intelligence. Yeah. As I got older, I, I gained compensating tools, one of which, by the way, was smoking weed, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which allowed me to focus my thoughts 
and actually turned out I wasn't unintelligent. I just couldn't sit still, but I was always taking information in. And so I just think my recall of general facts, but also things that are important to me, you know, I mean, there's, there's tons of other ephemera and stuff that we could talk about and, you know, that, but for me, what I usually tend to invest the most, let's say, attention to are things that have, you know, a valid uh, emotional response or something. And cannabis has definitely helped me. I mean, I definitely went through, you know, the, the, the outgrowth of that experience of that first time I got high was like, like, I'm going to get through this. Can you give me a gram of whatever it was? Can you roll me a joint? Because I'm going to go sleep in my car for a couple of months. Yeah. Um, but it got me through that. And it's like, oh, the, the thing that I always struggled with was dealing with my anxiety and worry and over-processing. And finally, I figured out a way like, you know what? I don't need Ritalin or whatever Adderall that they give to people now weed does all of those things for me and I can pick and choose when I want to use it. Right. I can choose how much I use. I don't have to take it every single time. Sometimes life throws you a curveball, and you're just like, you know what? I can't smoke right now, but I'll smoke later. So I'll get through it and I'll, you know, yeah, so it's, it, it, it has been helpful. I probably did not answer your question. Let's go back to what you're... <laughs> you're just asking how you just, memorize everything. Yeah, you just, just like... I think it's just I because I'm just kind of endlessly fascinated by stuff and I tend to triangulate data and I'm always pulling from lots of different things. I like science. Yeah. So the, the stuff about how our brain works and... You know, being a hyperactive kid as a child, I watched a shitload of Nova. <laughs> so, so I have tons of like, you know, scientific stuff, but I'm a lay person. I'm not a, you know, I, I try to tell people, people say, you're my doctor, you know, when I'm, I'm doing consultations, like, no, I'm, I am not a physician. Like, no. Don't put that on me right now. <laughs> my partner's a doctor. So I have tremendous respect for physicians, but yeah. they also don't have any cannabis training. Right. You know? So unless they have a lot of holistic background or they trained overseas, usually most Western doctors can't talk to you about cannabis because they're barred from doing so. Right. So well, you maybe you can talk about, I want, you guys, we, we must make a, for some interesting dinner conversation. Oh yeah. We, we have a lot of back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what I was going to ask. So what we yeah. do every, um, every week or every podcast, I yeah. want to get to the listener questions. That's what I was going to say. Oh, 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 sorry. Oh, I, I was, you were going to skip Because I was doing the intro to the yeah, next yeah. one, but it, I was, you it was, was a deep me. fake. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so we always do listener questions. Sure. And this is actually super interesting because I also want to know, what do you do if you get too high? Um, it depends on the high. If it is a smoking high, I tend to keep things that are like a high CBD uh, vape pen around. It's like an 18 to one. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have CBD before you have the THC, it can act as a booster. So I always tell people like, don't do like a preemptive strike where you're like, I'll just have some CBD because the CBD actually reacts with the THC that you have after. Right. So you want to wait until in most cases you feel like that high is coming on. It's too strong because that means it's having the, um, the interaction with the, uh, the CB1 and CB2 receptors in your brain. Right. Then add something with some CBD. Um, I think a tincture also works good, you know, for people who have had like an edible or can't smoke. Right. A CBD tincture? Yeah, something that's high in CBD. What's a tincture? It's like tincture. you put it under your tongue. 
It's basically a liquid vehicle of some format. In most it cases, it can be alcohol. They can be dark if they're a whole plant extract, but there's okay. also reductions that can be like in a coconut oil that look almost clear or like honey. Got so it. Because I, I just saw something at a friend's giving. One of the, our friends was like telling us about. It. He's like, yeah, you just put a little. It's in a syringe. You just push mm-hmm. it out. Yeah, is that, what that is a tincture. A tincture is generally anything that is a a vehicle with some cannabinoid amount added to it. You Got can it. also have an oil, which some people say, like I put drops of oil on my tongue, but it's actually like oil, oil that's been reduced from cannabinoid extractions as opposed to something that's been infused into like a, another it. mixture of something. Do, do like any like, you know, old wives tales work? Like if you're doing, like, oh, drink a lot of water or like- Drink a lot of, drinking a lot of water is good for any stimulant. Okay. We're, we're perpetually dehydrated. Drinking a lot of water is a rule of life, Isa. How many times is so dehydrated? Every single guest Steve. that comes on this podcast, like somehow we get into the topic of how important hydration is and Isa sits here every single time. Like I don't fucking drink enough water. I, I don't think everybody does. I think it, it's, it's one drink. of those... That's because she's a freak. I drink enough water. Are you, are you like, are you an eight, eight, eight glasses a day person? Oh, no. I'm like, I like 200 ounces of water a like day. Like she like should definitely, scientific, like if it was like chemically correct, she should 100% have drowned herself by now, but yeah. I don't know why. Are you saying it's just she's tall, so she true. takes longer to fill Are you trying to induce hyper, what is it, hyperemia, where you have too I much water? I just love water. I just love it. It's, I don't know why. It, it, it's one of the best, you know, a lot of times when people come in and they're like, I'm sore and fatigued, my muscles are sore. And, and like, I, I, I can actually ask some people, when was the last time you had like a, just a drink of water or drink of anything with water? And they're like, <laughs> I, I've been at work all day. And it's like, go, whatever you do between <laughs> now and the front door, drink. drink half a glass of water. <laughs> and, and a lot of things like lower back pain, headaches, yeah. anxiety, yeah, like you need that. so much of it is about the brain. We need water in our system. We're made yeah, to run on water. We're 80% water. Come on, people. <laughs> it's chemistry. It's not a, you know, but, but yeah, you a said lot of times chemistry. what a lot of people do though, like for example, with edibles, I mean, smoking, it's more immediate because it immediately dries your system out. It dries right. your mouth out. You get caught mouth. That's, that's the localized effect of the cannabinoids happening in your actual salivary glands of the mouth. I get cotton mouth from my edibles. Is that weird? Later. 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 When you're high. Right. Okay. Got but it. It's you're right. Your body pulls the water out of your system. You know, anything mm-hmm. that your body eats, even food, this is just food. Yeah. Your body needs water to push those nutrients out of your stomach, into your liver, and into other places in your system where it's going to use those nutrients. And a lot of times when people have edibles, they just chuck it in their mouth and it's like, your body's going to take a little bit of water out of your system yeah. to put that into mm-hmm. someplace else where you're actually going to get high. I, mine, my edibles are sliced like loaves of bread. Yeah. <laughs> so are I don't die. Are you microdosing like Just real like tiny little enough? babies? Yeah. And then I get That's fine. Food. That's fine. I think the myth of, let's talk about myth busting here for a sec. One of the things people have for too long hung on, hung on to is that it's got it. You got to be super duper high, and you got to take a lot of whatever it is. Smoke a lot, eat a lot of edibles, mm. and that's desirable. It is absolutely not. That I, I think one of the things that actually keeps people from generally enjoying cannabis is that. Yeah, we we you know we heard I used the word entourage effect earlier. That's one of the things that people miss out on when they have these skyscraperingly high 
amounts of THC. In other mm-hmm. words, like, I mean, you know, it's like, like I said, if you want to climb the Alps one day, great. But if you're climbing the Alps every single day, your experience is going to become very polar. It's either going to be very black or white. Mm. What you get with the entourage effect is a variance of experiences that you can like, yeah, you might like one, but you might like something else better here, but you're never going to find it if you only go to the top right, of the right. peak every single time. Yeah. Well, talking about that, like to transition with that, can you build up a tolerance? Yeah, absolutely. You can definitely build a tolerance up to anything that you ingest because it's going to store either in the fat cells or in your tissue over time. Right. Oh, but, no. but let's qualify this. One of the things that they've recently, the I don't, I wish I could give you a link, but they they recently released a pretty comprehensive discussion on not just cannabis, but on a wide range of other drugs, LSD, methamphetamine, mm-hmm. cocaine, you know, things that are that are like pharmaceutical grade drugs. And what they have shown is that it's a, it isn't just about when you have it, it is how often you have it and how much. So it's about exposure and percentage of what you have. So for example, if you're doing edibles, if you're dabbing, things that have a tremendous amount of THC that all gets dumped into your system at the same time, Mm -hmm. your tolerance is going to go up. If -hmm. you're having a joint or two at a party every couple of months, your tolerance is going to be almost nothing all the time yeah. because the amount that you're getting exposed to is not regular enough to get it to that, that right. peak. So, so that's why a lot of people say like, well, you know, you'll hear people say like, well, I want whatever is the strongest. Yeah. That might not actually be the best high for you. That might yeah. actually be the most, that, that might be very stony, but you might not have any subtlety. You might not have any like shade. And I think if you are... I hate to, I'm qualifying the the name you called me, but being a connoisseur, connoisseurs know that it starts, highs are like stars in the sky. Like there's places that you want to go that are very particular, but it takes a particular path to get to that spot. And they realize like, sometimes that's dabbing. Sometimes like if I want a really strong physical high, I want edibles, but I might have some smoking with it. I might combine them. Mm -hmm. So there aren't any hard and fast rules it's really more about are you comfortable right does this feel pos- you know positive or good in other words is it is it doing something beneficial for you and do you feel good mm. like and- like what's what's the net result <laughs> are you gigg- if, if you want to be giggly are you giggly if you want your your back to not be hurting anymore <laughs> is right your back hurting? yeah nothing wrong with that <laughs> Um, so are you okay? Do you have something to say? Do you want to share with the class? No. Okay. Um, so have some water. Um, the other questions were a lot around like resources where people can learn more Mm -hmm. and, um, not, not necessarily off the top of your head, but maybe you would be so kind as to share a couple of links via email with us so we can link them in the show notes. Yeah. Um, well, the first one I would say are, are for people who are looking for, um, more information on CBD is that there is one called projectcbd.org. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it, I think it's written uh, towards lay people. In other words, even if you don't have a dramatic amount of, of uh, background knowledge of cannabis, there's kind of a way in and they have it well organized. Um, I'm trying to think if there's a... Um, uh, another place I would actually start for people who are worried about the legal end of things is normal.org, yeah. National Organization for Reform of Marijuana Laws. Normal? 
and that is n-o-r-m-l dot org o-r-g okay those are two really good sources because i think they are not i mean obviously normal has a a bias towards legalization and whatnot but they also are behind the law they're not necessarily making money from the cannabis Mm -hmm. they're not in into it they're not like pushing Um, product yeah there's there's no product there they're really more about advocates and i think that's why i also like project cbd because it's like yeah they might have links or whatever but uh i think the information is pretty solid my um you know, in the last couple of months with all of the the national news that's been going around about vaping, a lot of the science around some of the other things, like if if you notice a lot of the articles on CBD have gone away, you're not really hearing a lot about it. It's because it's because it's what's what's sexy is that like somebody, you know, with with a black market vape and, you know, asthma died in a hospital, unfortunately. Um, So I think... The outgrowth of that is that it's good that people are looking for, looking out for what they're buying. In other words, we don't have a regulated industry across right. all 50 states. We don't have national legalization, which is why we're having that problem. Um, it's unfortunate, though, because a lot of people see vaping and cannabis and therefore equate cannabis with bad. In other words, right. like right. They, they look at cannabis with this now blank, where it's kind of been blanketed again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of unfortunate because, you know, like I said, I think a lot of people have a, a beneficial relationship with cannabis, but they have to get over their internal stigma to reach that benefit. Yeah. And so we're, we're unfortunately at a place where people are now taking maybe another step back who might've been you know, on the precipice of maybe making something that was beneficial for them. So hopefully we kind of reach an equilibrium in the next couple of months, but I'm, I'm glad to see that they're acknowledging like why that this was happening. It's like, maybe it actually spurs on national legalization. That's kind of what I would like to come out of it. Totally. Yeah. Well, we have a little surprise for you. We yeah. end each one of our episodes with five, like kind of random rapid fire questions. Sure. Sure. So I, I want to do a Jeopardy answer, not long. <laughs> yeah, just like right off the cuff. Bam, bam, Whatever bam. comes yeah. to your mind first. Are sure. you ready? That's not the first one. Are you ready? Yeah. I am ready. Okay. Favorite pizza topping? Pepperoni. Okay. That's classic. Uh, what's your favorite song right now? Ooh. Um, Shack Up the original version from the early sessions uh, by a band called A Certain Ratio, which was an early kind of label mate of band like uh, like Joy Division, for example. I fucking called that so hard, did oh, I not? Yeah, you did. <laughs> she, she suggested that question. Shagga. I said, let's ask him. He's going to say something really obscure. Yeah. And you, I, and you I listen to so much music. Music, <laughs> other than art, music has been the thing that has buoyed me up. When I didn't have weed, I had music. Oh, I love music it. is what carried me through my childhood. I would not be here if I did not have a record collection. That is That's not an overstatement. Yeah, I didn't have I weed. I had that. music. Yeah. Uh, what would your superpower be? Getting people to tell the truth. Ooh. Oh, I don't know if I would want that one. I don't want to be friends with you. <laughs> uh, what's the best thing that happened to you this month? Oh, I like that question. Thank That's you. a good question. Um, Okay, this is, again, more esoteric music stuff. Um, the 
there's an artist that I listen to. His real name is Patrick Fitzgerald, um, but he goes under the name Stephen Hero. And before that, he was in, very famously, he was in a band called Kitchens of Distinction, which is this UK, I'm going to date myself here, but the sex is good, indie guitar band from like the mid-90s, like kind of a jingle jangle, and early shoegaze, what would now be called the shoegaze movement. So it was like this proto band. Um, But he was an out gay man talking about the lyrics and the stuff that was really important to him. And he put out what is, I think, going to be his last record because he's having health issues. Mm -hmm. So um, the fact that that was coming out is like a gift. Mm -hmm. So it's like another, like a last missive. So it's like, I got a gift. So that was like the artistic thing. There's lots of other good things happen. My life's pretty good. I'm I'm a pretty happy fellow, more or or less, I'd say. That's awesome. I don't, I try not to watch the news as much lately. I know, I know. That's even. Yeah. (laughs) So finally, our favorite question, what is your vibe? What is my vibe? Personally, um, if you want a better world, make it one. Um, that's enough. That's it. Yeah. You got to well, put the I good would... energy out in the world that you want to see in the world. You can't that's just expect right. other people to be nice. Sometimes they don't know until they find out. So. That's a hundred percent right. Well, I would say where can everybody find you? But I know your social media. I'm a I'm a hermit. I don't even have Twitter. I, like, I don't have Ins- I don't gram. He was like, do you have a business card? I'm like, no. What's your Instagram? He's like, yeah, I don't do that. Um, do you have anything that you want to leave with everyone? Um, a website, perhaps. You can Google. I'll give you my full name because that's the artist name that I go under. If somebody can, if you can Google my full name, you can find my fine art website, which is Stephen with a V page, P A I G E Davis. And that'll pull up my, uh, my fine art site. There's about, there's about 574 images. There. Wow. I've been doing art a long, long time. I'm about to um, put a book out. It's like a 25th year, mm-hmm. like a compendium. That's, all the stuff that I haven't published and, uh, you know, like I what said, life, if we is, link life your is short. Show notes. Um, yeah, I can give you the link. I can give you well, link we can find that. it and we could just put it in there for you. Yeah, yeah, I can also send it to you. Okay. Yeah, it's a long, one of those long, like, string that sounds like you're chewing on marbles with, like, string. <laughs> but I can send it to you. Thank you so much for your time.